Welcome back and happy Valentine's Day to all our CC Football Podcast listeners. Clay, happy Valentine's Day. Hey, thank you, Craig. Thank you. I think we're both glad to be back after, you know, the international break felt really long. But now finally, uh, the fixture is coming in thick and thin. Uh, and we have some <laughs> we have some great games coming up and some great games to recap. Thick and thin. <laughs> That's a saying. That's a saying. Is it, or yeah. is it thick and fast? Oh, maybe it's thick and oh, it's definitely thick and fast. <laughs> thick and thin doesn't make much sense. Uh, <clears throat> hey, that's that's my uh on Valentine's Day. That's the thing I love about you the most. The the phrases you come up with on your own. Yeah, my I'm my own language actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I am, but yeah, we have a we have a great episode planned today. First, we're gonna as always, or as we have the last few. Uh, episodes do a sporkle and just so you guys know we are back on youtube again so check us out the channel name is just cc football podcast give us a little like and subscribe turn on your bell for the notifications so you know when we're we just posted a new episode um and this will make it that'll make it then what we're closing on a million subscribers so so make sure you, you get us our goal is one million by the end of the month we're pretty close. So you guys, if you win, the, if you're the millionth subscriber, send us a screenshot, and we'll give you something special. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe we'll fly you out to do like a live podcast or something, or zoom you in. That might be a little bit more cost effective with our budget. Yeah, we'll give you a signed a signed CC football podcast jersey. Yeah, from your, from your that's actually a good idea. We should make some merch. Should we? Yeah, <laughs> we should. Yeah, we should make Let's some merch. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let us know. Let us know on Twitter at CC Foot. What is it? CC Football Podcast on Twitter. Tweet at us if you would be interested in buying some merch, you know, to rep the brand um, and to help us grow and help us support the podcast. And you get some cool swag too. So, this is a cool idea that came to our heads here. But uh, yeah, so we have a great sporkle quiz, as I was saying. And hopefully, we've, we haven't completed one to the fullest yet, but I think this is the one. If How you can not? see my, I don't think we've gotten hundred percent on one yet. We've came okay. close and we, we should have gotten some, but we've been challenging ourselves, but this one's a little bit easier. It's, can you name yeah. the grounds of the premier league? So once again, if you guys are on listening, we're trying to do our best to narrate, but it will be easiest to follow along on YouTube. Um, and after that, we're going to re- recap some of the biggest games of the last week. And then we have a, a cool little Valentine's day segment to, to, round things out with so Craig, are you ready for this can you name the grounds of the premier league let's do it let's see how let's... many stadiums i mean we've never neither of, oh i guess you have been to to anfield right but i mean we're yeah. we're based here here in the united states so we haven't really been to many of these stadiums but hopefully we still know them from watching. right all right let's try it play quiz okay let's start from the top arsenal so that's the emirate, the emirate. okay villa is villa park Mm-hmm. Brentford. We're gonna have to come back to that one. I okay. know it, but I okay, okay. Brighton. Brighton. Oh, this one's easy. Okay, do do Burnley first. Turf more. How how do I not know Brighton? Brighton. And while while you're thinking, I I put Norwich in for Carroll Road, and I'm gonna do the easy ones: Liverpool, nice. Anfield, do Stamford. 
Stanford Bridge. Stanford Bridge, Manchester City's Etihad. Manchester United's mm -hmm. Old Trafford. Old Trafford. I don't know why I put Ole Trafford. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Okay. Saint James. Yep. Saint James. Saint James's Parks. Southampton's is. Uh. Mary's. What? Is it Saint Mary's? Yep. Saint Mary's. Yeah. Tottenham is just. I think London Saint. No, that's West Ham. But yeah, oh. you can type that in too. Yeah, okay. Uh, Vicarage Road is Watford. What is it? Vicarage, V-I-C-A-R-A-G-E, I think. No, A-R-A-G-E. There we go. Yeah. Tottenham uh, is just Tottenham Stadium. Or maybe they renamed it now. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Okay. Right, so we... Okay, so we got the whole right side down. Uh, let's see. Left wing power. Yep. Leeds is. Uh... Oh man. So okay, we need Brentford, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Everton, and then Leeds. Um. Okay. Well, Everton is Goodison. Yep. Goodison Park. MX. You might have to type out American Express. Um, Crystal Palace. Wait, what is American Express? What? Stadium? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna. Look, I think I'm pretty sure I'm gonna look up what the full name is because I'm pretty sure it's the MX. If it's not, then we won't type it in. Well, hopefully not. Right. <laughs> Okay, it's American Express Community Stadium. Or the Falmer Stadium, F-A-L-M-E-R. But yeah, it, we, we knew it, so. Okay, okay. But they give us ammo. <clears throat> okay. Um, what else are we missing? Oh, Palace. Palace, Brentford, and Leeds. Leeds is... Uh... uh... Oh man. Help us out here, listeners. Type it in the chat. Um Leeds. Seller. Sellers is Palace. Um Leeds and Brentford. How do you spell that? I don't know. S E L H U R S T. Uh I don't I don't know if I'm gonna get Brentford. Leeds, I feel like I should know. Oh, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So I just okay. need now. I just need Brentford. Man, this is tough. I don't think I know it, man. Maybe it's just like Brentford Stadium or something. <laughs> I doubt it. Good try. Oh, what? Oh, no way. Hundred percent. There we go. That is funny. Nice. <laughs> Our first 100% of the year came out wow. a good day. Let's do it. On Valentine's Day. On, on Valentine's Day. 
Nice, 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 nice. Off to a good start then. All right, what are we talking about today? All right, let me pull up our dock here. Rearrange my windows. Okay, moving on. Did this Borkle. Okay, let's start recapping some games. Craig, where do you want to start off? Um, I guess let's just go top to bottom. So Liverpool had have had a good comeback from international break and they had two victories. One was a little bit more hard, hard fought than the other. First was a 2-0 win versus Leicester and then second was a 1-0 win versus Burnley. And what are your takeaways from that those two games, Craig? And the fact that Liverpool have had some newfound depth, I guess you could call it, by product of yeah. by product of a new signing and Luis Diaz, who we haven't actually recapped the whole transfer window, but Liverpool pulled a fast one on on Tottenham and swooped the player right out from under their legs, and uh, and stole Luis Diaz from them when it looked like it was all but done that he was going to go to Tottenham, and then now he's in a, a red jersey instead of a, a white one. And yeah, I mean, that was a huge deal, <clears throat> huge steal, I guess, maybe I should say. And he did look pretty exciting, I would say, in the first game. He showed showed some good signs. Um, Jota stole the show in the absence of Mane and Salah, which is always good to see. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool, the one thing we've always said about Liverpool for the last few years, at least, is that they have no depth up front. And for some reason, they never invested in it. Every summer, I remember you and all Liverpool fans would be like, okay, let's add another forward, let's add another. And they just had, didn't do it um, until Jota. And then he got injured. And now they have Jota and they have um, Luis Diaz. And, you know, now they have to get through a lot more injuries to need to dip into like Ox and Origi, for example, who were like the first off the bench or the first off of the injury list. Yep. Um, in the so I think that's huge for Liverpool. And I think it kind of showed. I mean, they were able to attack and score goals even in the absence of Mane and Salah. I'm talking about the first game. The second game, I don't know. I'm in, in, intrigued to hear your thoughts, but I was a little bit uh, – I thought Liverpool's defense looked a little bit shaky. Um, <clears throat> I think Burnley could have had had quite a few goals, <laughs> um, especially in the first half. And – I don't know. And that has nothing to do with the offense. Obviously, they did score a goal, and then, you know, they, they held on to it, you know, very well after that. But, yeah, if Burnley had taken – what's his name? Veghorst. If he had taken um, advantage of a couple of his of his pretty big chances, I don't know. I think Burnley could have been, been in the game. But, yeah, I'm intrigued to know what you think. Yeah, I think that this was a classic Burnley away game. You know, first of all, it's important to note the conditions were absolutely dreadful during the game. It was pouring rain and the wind was swirling, which really affected a lot of Liverpool's aerial and long direct passing that they like to do. You know, those long diagonals were pretty much taken out of the game by product of the weather. Um, and yeah, I, I can see why you say that there, there were a few chances that Burnley had. And I think that's something that we've kind of come to expect um, with every single Liverpool game, no matter who they play, they're going to, give up a couple of chances just as a product of how the style and the, the tactics that Klopp employs. However, mm -hmm. I, I, it's important to note that a lot of the chances that they had, yeah, yeah they, even if you take away the some of them, like most of those, a lot of them were offsides and like they had a delayed whistle and, you know, you know, like they would let the, the, the play 
play itself out. And then they would, the referee would raise his flag after that. So a lot of them were offsides. And so that kind of negates a lot of, of the quote unquote chances that he had, they had received. But even then, like they, if you, if you take away those, they did have a couple of big chances that Allison uh, thankfully came up big for. Um, and yeah, I think that Klopp kind of expected this type of game to unfold a big, like rough it out, grind it out type of game. Because if you just look at the team selection and the players that he chose, like he chose a lot of the more like industrious players instead of the more flashy, flashier players. Like he chose to have Firmino instead of Jota. He chose to have Henderson instead of like Tiago or um, any of the other midfield options that we have. Harvey Elliott now is in contention for every single starting spot, I think. Um, in the mm. midfield, and he—that's because he he knew that this was going to be a rough and tumbly game, which it was. And the important thing is, yeah, it wasn't pretty. It was not. That's not the type of game that you're going to look back and rewatch um, in a couple months or even in a couple weeks. But it's an important three points. You know, Burnley away can be a, a trap game sometimes, and and I think that is just good for Liverpool to escape with with three points, which is all that matters. Yeah, I, personally, I think Liverpool fans have got a lot, a very exciting end to the season here. They've got a lot to be excited for. I think it's, I from a Liverpool fan perspective, I think it's, you know, it's game on Manchester City. Like, let's see if we can catch them. What, what is it, like nine points in a game in hand? So hopefully from a Liverpool perspective, six points. And the reverse fixture, too. So they have yeah, the game versus City at in Anfield to play still. So if, a big if, they win that, they're only three points behind. So it's still in play. It's still in play that, you know, Liverpool can make a run at the title. And it's actually still in play that they could win the quadruple because theoretically the Premier League's still in play. They're in the Carabao Cup final. They're still alive in the FA Cup and they're still alive in the Champions League. So um, they haven't bowed out of any of the cup competitions that Klopp seems to have used, usually like likes to punt and focus on the Prem and the Champions League. So um, yeah, a lot to, a lot of big uh matches ahead for Liverpool and like I started to say earlier I don't think I got to finish this thought but not only did the big signing of Diaz happen but we the last couple of weeks have received a lot of re- returns from injury a lot of players are coming back and stuff Harvey Elliott's back Henderson has been in and out um, there's a lot of players are are now fit and if you look at our bench especially for the Burnley game you have the likes of Diaz and Jota and Elliot and Tiago on the bench players that can really come in and change the game whereas a month ago you're bringing on like Ox and Minamino you know so now those guys are now Ox and Origi and Minamino are fighting for even to get in the squad and not even let alone like seeing the pitch which I think is great not not any slight to them but just the quality of I, mean, I think it's great yeah, that the, the depth that Liverpool have now you know what I mean yeah, no, it definitely is great. And, you know, while Liverpool, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have so much to be excited for because they have new signings. They, you know, they feel like a new team. They have kind of motivation. They have something to play for. And they have people coming back from injuries. So they'll be looking at, you know, at the title race pretty hungry and seeing if they can, they can make up ground. Um, from a City perspective, though, what do you think? Do you think City will be getting worried or not really? Because, you know, they haven't really dropped many points recently it's not like they're dropping points and Liverpool's catching up it's just kind of staying yeah. the same so do you think they're worried or what I mean I I mean 
obviously you, you would rather be in city's shoes right now than you would rather than Liverpool's because they're nine points ahead. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that city are worried yet. I think it would take them to drop points um, again. And then you're like, okay, if, if, even if they draw another game, then like, okay, if Liverpool win their game in hand and then they win in Anfield versus city, now they're only one point back. Then the footsteps are really, are really behind them. But right now I think as, as long as they can keep Liverpool at his arm distance as they have right now, they're not really worried. And, you know, they, they won four zero versus Norwich. And uh, I think they won two, two zero versus Brentford in the game in midweek. So um, like they're not showing that they're going to slow down at any point. Um, and yeah, let's, you know, the ball's in their court. I mean that, yeah, the Norwich game was so expected. I think that you could, I could have predicted that, they didn't even have to play the game, honestly. <laughs> I think I said like three weeks ago that, you know, one city like dropped, I think they dropped points to Southampton. They drew versus them. And yeah, um, I was like, oh man, I feel bad for Brentford and Norwich who co- are coming up because they're just going to get trounced. And I, at the time I said that, I didn't work, know that there was an international break kind of in between the, the those two mm. games, but, or in, in between the Southampton game and the two games they just played. But even still, you can see that they're still hungry and they're, their quality is just absurd. Yeah, and they rested a bunch of players. I know from fantasy, because all my city players didn't play. De Bruyne didn't play. Laporte didn't play. I think Bernardo didn't play. It did play, actually. But, yeah, that was without, you know, a lot of their big players, and they still beat Norwich 4-0, which, like you said, we've come to expect now big wins over <laughs> over Norwich. Um, but, yeah, not much to talk about with City. I think they're looking – Dominant as ever, but they do need to keep an eye on Liverpool. They don't need to keep an eye on Chelsea, who are now 16 points behind. Um, But they are world champions, I guess. Club world champions. Yeah, club world champions, which is a relatively big deal, I guess. I think that any team that that wins the Champions League and then is automatically qualified for the Club World Cup, it would be the expected winner of that because you're getting pitted against South American and other teams that just have financially so much less backing than the likes of City or I know when Liverpool played they were playing against like Flamengo and stuff and those teams gave them a tough fight. It was a close game, yes. Yeah, what the Liverpool versus Flamengo game a few years ago was was close, but you know, it's cool like they get a cool badge on their on their kit next year and yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Um yeah, so good for Chelsea. Not much else to discuss with them. We're going to see – it'll be interesting to see what exactly they, you know, they play for now in the Premier League because the title race is pretty far away. Um, but, like, if we're, talk, if we're saying City needs to be worried about the teams behind them, I mean, Chelsea are only seven points ahead of, like, United, West Ham, Arsenal. And Arsenal have even a couple games at hand on them, same, same with Tottenham. So. Yep. Chelsea, I don't think they've guaranteed themselves. Like, everyone's saying, oh, you know, we're fighting for the fourth-place spot or whatever, which which all these other teams are as of right now. But I don't know. Chelsea, if they slip up, people aren't too far behind. Yeah, they're not too far behind. I think that right now in, in the Prem, their focus with Tuchel will be just to, just to maintain that six- or seven-point gap that they have to the rest of the top four so that they don't have to really focus on uh, on a – top four race later in the season when hopefully for them uh they'll be focusing on the i think the champions league honestly they'll be looking to repeat there um 
because yeah, as you said, the the title race has kind of slipped away this season, and they're really their biggest silverware that they have at the moment that's able to be won is the Champions League. So we'll see how that goes for them. And they they play next week. They don't play tomorrow or Wednesday, but they play next week. So that'll be exciting for them. Um, let's talk about a team that has been slipping up a little bit. And ever since, you know, we talked about Liverpool, who's done well, and and City, who have done well. But one team that has not done well since the that's the, since the return of club football is Tottenham. They have lost two zero to Wolves, and then they. I thought, I thought you were going to say Manchester United, um, which. Is also true, but yeah, Tottenham has been somehow yeah. even worse. Well, I, I gotta say, okay, first of all, does anybody want to make top four? I don't think no. so. I don't think anybody does. The only reason why it's still a race is because one of these teams hasn't been able to, to win any games, basically. Everyone's just dropping points left and right. No. So Tottenham lost 2-0 to Wolves and then also lost midweek 2-3 to Southampton. And this is after a pretty frantic January transfer window for them. They saw a lot of outgoings. And Dombele left. Um, who else left? Dele left. And then they brought in Betancur and uh, Kuluzewski from Juventus. And um, yeah, so the, not a good start for those two players in terms of results. Well, the players, themselves, yeah, I mean, Betancur and stuff has been fine, but it's a team that kind of sucks. Right. That's what I'm saying. That I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter just be, as a product of following uh tottenham talk our good friends over there clay troyer and matt um and they seem to be pretty they're kind of on tilt right now i think like as as are a lot of tottenham fans as they don't really know where to go um and craig what is your vibe check with tottenham right now is i mean obviously the arrow is pointing down with conte and how that project has started so far but what do you think well it's interesting because they seemed, you know, when Conte came in, it seemed to be exciting like this. They took a while to get going, but then they seemed to, we all thought they were like, okay, they've kicked off now, they're, they're ready to go. Um, but then, yeah, they haven't really, <laughs> they haven't really fully kicked off. They, if you look at their last couple of results, so obviously they lost to uh, Southampton and they lost to Wolves, which are like both games you would expect them to win especially if they're under Conte, a renewed manager with their brand new signings. Southampton completely outplayed them, um, as did Wolves. And I don't know, it's very, you know, you could say, okay, maybe they need time for the new signings to get in. But, but I don't think that's the issue. I think defensively, they, I mean, Wolves, they didn't even, you know, threaten offensively. But defensively, it's just been shambolic. Like a couple of the goals in the Southampton game, both the goals in the Wolves game were just complete gifts from, from Tottenham to the other team which was, I mean, it's comical to watch as a, as a neutral third-party viewer, but that's something they definitely need to get figured out. Their wingbacks, Davies and Emerson, they just, they're just not good enough, or at least right now they're not good enough. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you throw in uh, Hoiberg or any of the other options they have as wingbacks, uh, that, that's definitely an area of improvement, especially in the system that Conte uses and which the wingbacks are so important. You have to have wingers of wingbacks of quality. And, you know, you kind of look at, back at their transfer window when they had, not only did they have Diaz swooped out from under their feet, but they also had Adama Traore swooped out and Barcelona stepped in and took him and signed him. And I think that, you know, they were really looking to use him as a right wing back and somebody that could fly up and down the pitch on that right side. 
and now they're stuck with Doherty and whoever else they're playing. Um, and you know they're they're missing Eric Dyer, but I didn't think that Eric Dyer would be such a big miss um, for them. But defensively, like you said, they are uh, needing some help. Yeah, and so I mean, if you look ahead, they play City next, then Burnley, who seem to be kind of rejuvenated. They you know they drew Manchester United. They played, in my opinion, pretty well against Liverpool, especially in the first half. Then they play Leeds, who you never know what's going to happen there. Everton, then Manchester United, West Ham, Newcastle, Villa. All these teams are, I mean, except for United, I guess. A lot of these teams are like renewed teams with signings. And like Burnley have a lot to fight for with relegation. Everton, new coach, Donny's in, Delhi's in. West Ham is West Ham. United's United. Newcastle, lots of new signings. Aston Villa, very exciting team. So they've got some in my opinion, like, I guess an unpredictable run, but could be a very tough run coming up. Yes. So they would not have wanted to drop points from Southampton and Wolves right before this run. But, I mean, we'll see how they bounce back. Like you said, this next these next few weeks are going to be pretty decisive for that top four race, seeing that Tottenham play people like Everton, United, West Ham. I guess Everton's somehow <laughs> not in <laughs> They're the more close to the relegation battle than the top four yeah. battle. Yeah, but um, I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and right now, as I said, Tottenham are in eighth place, and they are five points behind West Ham. Granted, they have three games in hand, so theoretically, they could they could vault up in there. But um, the, the the performances have to turn around ASAP if they want to have any chance of European football and not the Conference League again uh, this year. Um, let's move on to another team that you kind of alluded to we're struggling, but Manchester United, Craig, what is your, okay. So we're, we're a few months into Ralph. You just came off of a one, one tie for Southampton and a one, one tie with Burnley. And a one, one tie versus Middlesbrough. Well, not a tie, a loss because we lost on penalties. Yeah. But a one, one against Middlesbrough. So three, one, one games in a row. And, all three of the games had pretty much the exact same storyline, especially the first two. Well, the storyline was the same in that, you know, Manchester United in all three games went up one goal, should have gone up way more than one goal. They had lots of opportunities and just they, for some reason we just can't finish. And like, I'm not, I know people say, oh, we should have scored more. And I, you know, sometimes say that in general, but in these games, I don't know if you watch the highlights, I'm talking like open goal misses. I'm talking yeah. about penalties. I'm talking around the keeper and the defender blocks it off the line, like open net one-on-one chances. Um, and they don't take advantage of them. They only go into halftime one zero. And every single time instead, the other team comes up in the second half, scores a goal and United look like a, like the opposite team of what they were in the first half. And then they end up drawing the game, which is very confusing because especially in the first two games, United were completely dominant in the first half. It wasn't even close. Like with Middlesbrough, and even the, even the Burnley game, it was like 10, 13 shots United to zero shots Burnley or something at the end of the first half. They should have been up a few goals in both of those games. And they weren't, and then they paid the price for it. And I know that you can, you know, United fans will point to, not in the Burnley game, but in the, the Middlesbrough game, like knocking us out of the cup, they'll point to the fact that their goal shouldn't have counted. It was pretty clear handball and things like that, which is all fine. But you're playing Middlesbrough with your starting lineup and you can't really go complaining about the refs if you have six golden opportunities and you know take advantage of only one of them. Then you're then then you're putting yourself in a position where you can be 
where bad luck can get you, you know, out of the competition, and that's your own fault. So the thing that confuses me, uh, so from Ralph's perspective, I feel like I think I told you this over text message, especially in the first half. I'm like I'm pretty excited. I haven't seen United play this type of attacking, expansive football, like creating some great chances. Um, very smooth, very silky. Jaden Sancho has been brilliant, one of the only bright spots. Um, in the first half, I've been very excited every time. I'm like, okay, well done, Ralph. You can see the changes he's made. And then it's like at halftime, I don't know if he gives them like a warm glass of milk and he's like, okay, enjoy your one goal lead and just put them to sleep or something. And then, yeah, they come out and throw it away. So I'm a little bit confused, honestly, with how to how to evaluate them. What, the one thing I'm not confused about is that Harry Maguire has to be dropped. And I'm not sure why he's still playing. I'm not sure, you know, what he – I don't know why he holds this power over managers. They feel like they need to play him even though he's been, you know, one of the worst defenders or probably one of our worst players this entire season. And we've had other people who've done pretty well. Obviously, Veron's going to play because he's been pretty good. Phil Jones, in the one or two games that he had, was very was at least better than Maguire, was very good. Lindelof, definitely way better than Maguire. Eric Bailly is now back to – to training but we have a lot of different options and I don't think he like he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be in there he doesn't deserve to automatically display he's been horrific every single game for the last well the all season but especially the last few weeks and it's such an important position because if he makes a mistake which he does at least a few times a game it leads to a goal scoring opportunity and usually a goal that's huge like it's not like when we're talking about Fred and McTominay like oh in midfield you know they don't control the midfield and that, that's a huge issue, but it's not like if they don't control the midfield, then automatically we, we let up a goal. This is, like, very clear. Ralph plays Harry. He makes a mistake. They score a goal. We we drop points. And he should have dropped them versus – who did we play last? Um, Southampton. And, yeah, he didn't. I'm really intrigued to see what he does tomorrow versus Brighton. But, I, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think? But the only bright spots that I can point out are Sancho – Pogba and De Gea. De Gea has been brilliant all season. Sancho seems to have finally grown into it. Very exciting. Pogba just came back from injury. He's already had like a goal, won a penalty. I think he had an assist. And I think he looks pretty bright. I don't know. Maybe that's subjective. But Ronaldo, horrific. McTominay and Maguire, so bad. Um, Rashford, pretty bad. Most of the rest of the team, pretty bad. Yeah. You kind of hit on the most of the main ideas that I was going to – uh, bring up and I would kind of echo your sentiments that you know you look at the you look at the performances without the scoreline and you're pretty excited but then you start looking at the scorelines and the performances of some indiv- of the individuals and then you're like okay well this has to improve right 64 shots in the last three games and only three goals that's pretty crazy really? wow. yeah 64 shots and only three goals and that's when you have probably one of the best finishers of all time up front in Ronaldo. Granted, yeah, he didn't, he didn't start. Uh, I, I think he, he didn't start versus uh, Burnley. And yeah, but, but Cavani is right up there. With one of the yeah, best exactly. So even modern. you have some of the best attacking talents in the world. You have Ronaldo, Cavani, Rashford, Bruno, uh, Sancho, like all these guys are top, top tier Pogba. And you only have 64 shots and five goals and, th- and three goals. I think that that part, um, they're bound to have positive regression in that in that aspect. The goals will come. Um, that's just maybe a little bit of a fluke, and 
you know, with some training drills or with some finishing drills during training that can kind of get their confidence going again. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen this with Liverpool too, where, you know, they have tons and tons of shots and Mane and Salah just seem to be able to find a new way to miss it every single time. Um, <laughs> but, and it's frustrating. I, I know it's frustrating. And, but I think that that part, you have to look at the, the process that Ralph is putting them through. And although it's not perfect yet, like you said, they're starting games off well. And once they're able to put that into a whole entire complete match, then you'll see the product that he's trying to turn United into. And, but that also comes with a cost because, you know, like you said, where, why is Harry Maguire keep on getting picked? You're trying to not only like, not only are you trying to employ this title, but you also have to make top four. And, you know, that's like a must. And I get it. He's England international. He's a club captain and all this stuff. And, but at some point you, the performances speak for themselves and you have other options at center back. I, I would kind of understand if everyone was injured around him and he was the only fit senior player left, but it's not true, you know? And so, yeah, like you said, I'd be interested to see what they do versus Brighton tomorrow. I would probably venture to say that he's going to get dropped just by a matter of pressure from the media and fans that, he needs to go at least have like some time on the bench and prove himself, maybe get rotated in a little bit more than being the first name on the team sheet, which it seems like he is every single game. Cause every other player, you know, I think that he is like the one player that I can think of that for on United that plays almost every single game. Um, and yeah. And, you know, even Bruno Ronaldo, uh, granted they haven't had the best form lately, but they've been dropped for their poor form. Why isn't Harry Maguire having to, held to the same like accountability that Harry Maguire, like the others are right. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that right now the cloud around United is pretty gloomy, but there are some bright spots to take away from them. And we knew that it was not going to be an instant turnaround uh, with Ralph. And he's definitely, I think finding this project a little bit tougher than, than he expected, but there are positives and changes that you can see. And, once, like I said, they just need to find some consistency, not even from game to game, but from like within the game, they need to like from half to half and within like flows of the game, they need to find some consistency and then that the results will follow after that. And the goals surely will. I guarantee you that the goals will follow because 65 shots and three goals, is just not sustainable <laughs> with the players that you have up there. Um, all right, let's move on to some other notable games. Dude, the Villa versus Leeds game was crazy. Coutinho is uh, hitting the Premier League by storm, taking the Premier League, taking the Premier oh, yeah. League by storm. Good to see him and back. Team by storm. Yeah, taking your fantasy team by storm. Um, also, Newcastle and some important relegation games are for them to try to get. They got out of the relegation zone, which is huge for them. They won three one to Everton and then one zero to Villa. And out of all the signings that they've made, possibly the most boring one was Kieran Trippier but he has been the best like the best player out of all of them I granted like I know uh Bruno Guimaraes hasn't uh he hasn't started a game yet and people are saying yeah. that he's supposed to be one of the best like midfielders um up-and-coming midfielders in the world so that was a great signing for them but he hasn't he hasn't uh started a game yet maybe he'll start to work his way into the team soon but Trippier 
you know, doing his thing, scoring from set pieces and stuff like that is pretty incredible. And now you see that they are four points ahead of Norwich who sit at the top of the relegation zone. So um, yeah, good, happy days unfortunately, for them. Trippier, unfortunately, Trippier is now injured and he will be missing for, for quite a few games. I think we don't know exactly how many yet. Um, so that's kind of a big blow, especially because he was a good signing and he's been doing really well getting set piece goals. Um, but yeah, they also have Matt Target who they signed to play on the other side, but yeah, so that's unfortunate for them. But as you said, they have some other signings who are coming into the team now and they're, they're gaining momentum game by game. It's huge that they're out of the relegation zone with, with the game in hand on Norwich. So, yeah. All right, Craig, how excited for you for Champions League tomorrow. We have a huge heavyweight matchup between PSG and Real Madrid. And then also we have sporting versus city. That's tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, Liverpool versus Inter and Bayern versus Salzburg on Wednesday. So I'm I'm so happy that I'm happy the Champions League's back. Yeah, I'm ready for it to be back. PSG Madrid, that's gonna oh, that's gonna be a huge game. Madrid have been in relatively good form this season. Um I don't know actually of late what their form has been, but PSG have definitely had a worse season. Um than Real Madrid. Like, Real Madrid is still top of the league by four points, which is a smaller gap than, than what it used to be. PSG, meanwhile, um, what are they? They're first. Oh, they have a pretty handy lead as well. I thought it was closer in the in the French league, but no, I mean, they're, they're 13 points up. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this one goes. I think Sergio Ramos is injured, so we won't get to see him face his, his old team. But, I mean... You can't really ask for a bigger matchup than PSG. Yeah, PSG versus cities. I mean, PSG versus Madrid is a pretty exciting game. I'm definitely going to be tuning in tomorrow afternoon. The thing is, and I was kind of reading a little bit about this, is that, like, you know, with the amount of money that PSG have invested in their team, they're more of – it's more of an expectation. They're expected to win the league, their French league every year, and it's more of they're judged off of their performances in the Champions League. And this year they've – they're like statistically struggled a lot to um, like the stats and the differences between their games in the French league versus uh, the champions league games are quite, quite interesting. And the champions league, they had only like 50% possession every single game. And in the French league, they had like over 60% possession every game. And every other stat is kind of reflective of that. And it'll be interesting to see like how Mbappe and uh, Messi, as Neymar is hurt right now, and Di Maria can play against Real Madrid, who, I mean, Vinicius Jr. and Benzema are probably up there with the front three. I would say that in terms of performances this season, those Benzema and Vinicius have performed better than Mbappe and Messi. So um, oh, yeah. it's, it's going to be a crazy game. I think that I'm going to take uh, – Craig, what's your score prediction? I'm going to hear yours first well the thing that psg do have going for them is that messi while he hasn't quite kicked on in the league he has kicked on in the champions league like he had he scored quite a few goals whatever four i think four or five goals in the in the group stages and you know that's his competition he's comfortable with that even if he might not be quite comfortable in france yet so that's big for them i am going to predict wow i have no idea what to predict there's so many goals so many goals but i don't know if i want to 
I'm going to make it easy for you. I think I'm going to predict a 2-1 win for Real Madrid. It's in France right now, so uh, that might be a boost for them and for PSG. But I just think that top to bottom, Madrid have a more well-balanced side. They're more of a team and kind of sometimes, as we see with United, PSG are sometimes a group of individuals. And um, we'll see if if they can rival Madrid and how dominant they have been this season. I'm going to predict the 2-2 draw. Okay, sounds good. Okay, Sporting City, I mean, that's an exciting game too. I think we both expect City to handle that as well as Bayern versus Salzburg. But another interesting game is Liverpool versus Inter on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, Inter are top of of Serie A. And, man, I don't know what to expect here. Actually, no, now they're second, but they have a game in hand versus Milan. Um, Yeah, so... uh, I, honestly, as a Liverpool fan, I'm kind of nervous for this game. It's going to be crazy. Um, Inter are a tough team to play against. Like Jeko and all those, all those guys are 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 just a nasty team, I guess. You know, and it's in Italy, so I, I think I'm going to predict a like a one nil. Maybe it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be like both teams are going to kind of not lose the the tie in the first leg. So I, I'm going to predict like maybe one nil, one, one draw one nil would be a Liverpool win. Yeah. I like the sound of a one, one draw. That's what I was going to go with as well. Um, and then, I mean, maybe you, you'd have to back Liverpool in the, in the home leg, the second leg, but yeah. for, for right now, we'll one, one draw and see what happens. Yeah. I just think from a Liverpool perspective that the Anfield advantage is so high, especially in, important champions league nights that they're just going to try not to lose the first game and then make it all to play for in the the second leg. Um, Yeah. Any other thoughts from there? No. All right. Valentine's day segment. We kind of hyped it up a little bit. So since it is Valentine's day, we kind of thought of three. uh, Yeah. Craig is showing his background, which is interesting. Uh, (laughs) It's Valentine's Day. Yeah, okay. Sharing some bromance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have a Valentine's Day segment. So we're going to name one player who's our crush, one team that is our Cupid, which means that they kind of shot us with an arrow, and the more we watch them, the more we like to watch them play and stuff. And then lastly, who? what is your Valentine? So that's like one goal or moment that you find yourself re-watching in history. So... Craig, have you thought a little bit about who is your crush, one player? What 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 do we mean by crush here? Uh, you you go first. You go first and explain, and then I'll I'll, I'll give you my answer. Okay, so the intent was, I think, that the one player that you just you doesn't matter what anybody says about them. You think that they're they're great, or you think that they have great potential, and they can like you're gonna stand by them. You know, like they're one of the your favorite players, um, basically. And I guess it'd be easy to, to choose the Liverpool player for me. And I'm going to uh, – one player who's my crush, I'm going to go with Thiago. Uh, I love – Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I could have chosen, that. like, you know, Salah, Van Dyke, all of the big names. I guess Thiago is a big name at Liverpool, but something about the way he plays. I just love watching him on the ball and, like, the way he moves – with the ball and stuff and orchestrates the game. He's like a, he's like a conductor of an orchestra, you know, and um, 
he's just so skilled and the way he hits the ball is just something that I personally have never seen a player in Liverpool um, for Liverpool hit the ball. And that's saying like, you know, Trent is a great striker of the ball, but Tiago just has something different. His, he's so skillful. He's not one of those players that is supremely athletic, but he's his skill and, and, and knowledge for the game is just top, top tier. So I, I love watching him play. I think that every single game that, I mean, Liverpool could be playing like keep away for 90 minutes and I would, Love it if he is on the on the pitch. So, um, yeah, that's my crush. Wow, yeah, that's a good one. Um, who should I pick? So I feel like, based on your explanation of crush, I feel like I have to pick a player as well who's who like not everybody agrees, especially right. You know what I mean? Because you're saying yeah, like, yeah, you stand yeah. by the thing and yeah. Um, like, you know, I'm not going to pick like, you know, Messi or something like that. Although I guess he is having a tough time at the moment, but I'm going to go with using that logic. I'm going to go with De Gea. I think he's had a lot of, a lot of haters through his, his United career. Um, and he has had some low points, especially, you know, in the last couple of years, few years, but I mean, I've always, <clears throat> I, I, I love De Gea. I think he's, got a fantastic mentality one of the few people in the united team who still have a fantastic mentality um he's he's been loyal i know that was that real madrid move that didn't work out for him it's really unfortunate for him really but anyways he's been loyal to a club that's struggled his entire career like okay he won the league when he first came in with Sir Alex ferguson but after that he's seen united as its, its worst for modern history and he's st- stuck with it and been one of the leaders he's kept us in he's kept us in whatever you know, whatever position we've gotten so many years. There, it's, it's really a bad thing, the number of player of the month, player of the seasons awards that David De Gea has won. It's not good for United. In fact, he won the Premier League player of the month last month. Yeah. And a goalkeeper not a, should not be your best player like four or five years out of the last 10. Um, and so, yeah, he, he, he's been with United to the top. He made it, in my opinion, to the best goalkeeper in the world a few years ago and even though he's fallen down a little bit since then he's stuck with the team and he's been probably our most important player in the last 10 years in my opinion nice i think that's a good that's a good shout all right one team that is your cupid so what team has, i was exclude liverpool and, and manchester united what team have you the more you watch them the more you appreciate them um that's a good question so I have a, I guess I have a couple that I'm thinking through. One that I would have said, and I don't actually watch them that much, but but I'm a big fan of of Atletico in the last few years, just because, just because, not because I enjoy watching them, but because they have their style, right? Their classic Diego Simeone style of playing, and it just it just frustrates teams so much. And everyone, you know, after a big Atletico win, you know, you see people tweeting like, oh, they're not playing football. This isn't football. And it's just so funny to me because it's like they are playing football because they beat you. And <laughs> I just love I just love how they're able to get into people's heads. But uh, I don't know if that's a good one to say because I don't actually watch them that much like their La Liga games or anything. So I'm going to say West Ham. <clears throat> West Ham is a team that, that I've really enjoyed watching um, along with Brighton. But West Ham, I really started watching when when – I've liked them a lot, but especially when Jesse Lingard went there last, um, halfway through last season, I started watching all of their games and I've continued doing that. And 
you know, I've, I've loved watching them this, this last year or so. Yeah. That's a good one. I, you actually, mine was going to be Brighton. Um, nice. I just, I rate Graham Potter really highly. I think he's a up and coming manager. I think he deserves a big move to a big club and we'll see maybe one of those big, big name clubs that are, that are struggling will be looking for a new manager. But aside from that, they have a lot of, a few really um, intriguing players like Lamptey, right wing back, Cucurella, who used to play for, uh, I think he used to play for Barcelona, actually. Yeah, he did. He was like in Barcelona Academy that they stole him away, um, uh, left wing back. And then they have Liverpool legend, Adam Lallana in midfield. What more could you want? Um, but yes, yeah, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, yeah, Trossard, like, I mean, I think that they Brighton have top to bottom, not a very talented roster, but they, and they play, <laughs> they don't, they don't, honestly, they don't. If you look at their team, they don't have that talented of a roster, but I, the way that I, I appreciate them is that they don't really sit back like a lot of teams that have talent deficits have that like they do when they play big teams, they still look to be as expansive as they pragmatically can. And they are, I mean, I guess they're just creative and, for their for their for their quality i guess and oh yeah basuma as well we forgot yeah basuma I wish- and I, I think that that it shows like out of all the mid-table teams they're probably that they're they're in ninth right now and they're comfortably safe from relegation and they're comfortably mid-table i think that the only other team that you can consider like a quote-unquote mid-table team historically that um that is above them is wolves and um i don't know i just think that Brighton have a lot to to hang their hat on just the way that they play. I don't I mean they're only three points behind Tottenham. Yeah, they're only three points behind Tottenham, but I just more of the fact that I appreciate the way that they play. And you know, sometimes it's frustrating as a Liverpool fan. I'm sure you can appreciate this as a United fan. So where it's so if you go to like Newcastle or Burnley, like sometimes I don't know about Newcastle anymore because of their new like their new signings and stuff, but that was a game where you're gonna have like it feels hundred percent of the ball and somehow maybe lose the game because they were going to put 11 men behind the ball and make it so tough for you to score. But Brighton don't do that. They play exciting games and I think they're getting rewarded for it by sitting in ninth right now and having a pretty good season and a great manager that I, I think that has a bright future. So, all right, Craig, what is your Valentine? So one goal or moment or anything else that you find yourself thinking of or rewatching again? Um, your, your background there is a, is a good shout. That might be one of my favorite moments to watch, but, Ooh, what do I find myself rewatching? I can, I can go first while you're thinking. I can go first while you're thinking. Okay. Okay. Mine, mine, I was thinking about this one. If you guys are watching on YouTube, it's the Dini, um, Watford goal and that was a pretty incredible moment you know it's in every single football compilation you find on youtube but for me it's that has to be just because of my uh my alliances has to be the 4-0 barcelona barcelona win um you know i found myself watching that the highlights of that game a few times too many last year when liverpool were struggling because i needed to get reminded of of some of some better days um just the fact that you know, if you just look at the players who were playing, they were playing like with Shakiri and Origi because uh, Firmino and Salah were both out. And it was just a 
top to bottom, uh, classic Liverpool experience and classic Liverpool game. And the fact that makes it better is that the next game they won the Champions League. So um, just listening to the crowd at Anfield is something that I love to do. And yeah, that's that moment was pretty legendary for me. And I think that I could watch the highlights of that game a million times and never get tired of it. Yeah, so for me, I, I guess obviously the first few that kind of went through my mind were similar to you, the um, the Manchester United, like whatever own Paris comeback with our teenagers, with Rashford scoring that winning goal against PSG, the big comeback versus City, which I don't know if you remember, we were watching on our, when we were driving to, to Utah, we were watching it like when we left that morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big comeback there. Um, you talk, obviously, the one thing I keep watching is United's 99 Champions League win in Sabashayim with, with Solskjaer. Um, but obviously, I wasn't alive for that. But honestly, more than any of those, I think if I had to pick one moment that truly, like, blows my mind that I've been alive for, that I just couldn't believe, would have to be the, the Barcelona 6-1 La Remontada, the comeback against PSG. Yeah, that was a crazy Which, game. I... I just couldn't believe because I thought, I mean, everyone thought the game, the whole tie was over in the first leg with PSG winning whatever 4-1 or how much ever they won by. Um, and it just never seemed possible, especially when PSG scored their goal in the second leg as well. And then, yeah, just the, the brilliance of the little chip up by Neymar and then Sergio Roberto finishing. Oh, it's great. Crazy. I, I just can't imagine like a more... Um, I don't know, a more stunning, a more miraculous comeback than that. That was unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. That was a, that's a good one, too. Um, I guess it, it helps that United haven't had very many classic moments in the recent memory for you to choose from. So, <laughs> uh, um, But yeah, so that, that wraps it up for us. I think that you know this week is going to be really exciting. We have a mixture of Premier League and then Champions League, obviously, is back, which I'm really hyped, hyped for. Um, Yeah, we'll be with you guys soon. Happy Valentine's Day, Craig, and talk to you guys next time.